Hello, this is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor. Today on Executive Presence Morsels, we'll be sampling another bite-sized learning to help you be seen, be heard, and be elevated. Hello, and welcome to Executive Presence Morsels. This is Ukemi Week. This is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, and you may be wondering, especially if you've never uh, heard of Aikido or taken Aikido, what in the world is Ukemi? So from a very um, kind of simplistic way of thinking about it, you could consider it the art of falling, right? Because in Aikido and a lot of other martial arts like Judo, um, even MMA, you're going to be falling, right? So uh, as you're practicing and you're being thrown or throwing others, there's a way to fall in a way that you can recover and get up and continue to train. And then there's a way you can fall in a way that's awkward. You know, you, you know, hurt your shoulder or elbow and then you're just out of training, you know, for the next month, months, year, maybe for the rest of your career or life, right? So this ability to fall and to fall well is super important and has a lot of um, sort of impact on your career and your executive presence as well. So I'm going to share two examples, one Aikido-based, one not Aikido-based, that really um, resonated with me in terms of uh, how it's really important, um, not that you don't fall, because we're all going to fall at some points, but when you do fall, how do you fall and how do you react to that both during uh, and after? So um, one example was when I think, gosh, I think it must have been an early midlife crisis um, where one of my friends convinced me it'd be a good idea to get a motorcycle. So really bad idea for, for me. I'm not really even a good driver on four wheels. You can ask my wife. Actually, don't ask my wife. Uh, but in any case, uh, not the best driver there. So why would I be on a motorcycle on two wheels? Um, luckily, nothing bad um, ever happened. Uh, and I was able to survive and then, you know, sell the motorcycle when I realized it wasn't a good idea anymore. Right around the time uh, my wife got pregnant with our son. Um, but one of the things I noticed when I first started um, riding, and this was after all the training and getting my license, was, you know, there were certain times where uh, I'd be on a hill or I would, you know, kind of uh, be on a uneven kind of area uh, where I would drop the bike, right? That's pretty common that, that, that happens. And I'm not like the tallest guy. So like the balance, uh, could be uh, a little bit difficult. And I just remember, you know, and I dropped, you know, not a ton of money, but you know, I dropped some money on, on buying a, a new motorcycle and remember thinking like, gosh, it would be such a shame to, to return this and to give up. It would be, um, maybe better for my health, but not so much for my ego, like a bit of a humiliation, right? That, that I wasn't able to follow through and do something that plenty of other people are, are able to do. And I can drive a car. So um, it, it's not something, you know, it, it's not, I'm not flying a space shuttle here. Um, it's something that I think should be within the realm of possibility for me, given my current talents and abilities back then. So the one thing that was so important to me that I did to make sure um, was whenever I fell and, and dropped the bike, I immediately, immediately picked it back up. And as long as I was, you know, healthy and feeling fine, I started the bike back up and I continued to ride it because I knew, I knew if I stopped and I just wheeled it back to the garage and put it away and said, oh, you know, I'll do it tomorrow. Psychically, it would be very damaging. 
right? And and it and it would it would discourage me maybe from even starting it up the next day, and then that day becomes a week, becomes a month, and then all of a sudden I'm returning that thing, and I've you know totally uh, failed. So that was like an important lesson that to be able to sort of get up uh, afterwards and to do that kind of immediately uh, is really important. And and that's not the actual falling part, but I think it's just as important after you fall. What do you do? What's your default kind of recovery? Uh, behavior. And the second um, t- place that I uh, learned this was in, you know, Aikido, where uh, you get thrown on a regular basis, and you fall. And here's the thing, falling is scary, right? And I remember I had left for a few years training, and I came back, and I was with my new instructor, Vardy Sensei, and I wasn't taking falls well the way I used to, because I was much stiffer, and I was like a little bit scared, because I I had stopped training for many years. And I remember him just coming over to me and saying, you know, you need to relax, right? If you relax, you know, the fall will be, um, you know, will have less impact and you'll be able to get up and you can train more, you'll be healthier. And it was something that I had learned from my original instructor, Matsuda Sensei, but I had forgotten it. And my body, more importantly, you know, mentally I'd forgotten it, but more importantly, my body had physically forgotten it. There was this fear, there was this tightness Every time I felt myself about to fall and I would stiffen up and I would hit the ground, boom, like a stack of bricks. And then it would hurt, you know, and then getting up, I would like, oh, feel all crotchety. And it made that those first few weeks of back in training so painful versus if I could, could just train my body again to relax and say, look, you're going to fall, fall in a way that's as controlled as you can, you know, relax and then get up and train again. And wouldn't you know, once I got back into the swing of things, it was actually quite joyous to be able to get thrown so far and so hard, but to be able to relax and protect yourself as you fall and boom, pop right up, rush the person again, and get thrown to the ground again. (laughs) It actually becomes quite of a good um, workout because, uh, strangely enough, getting up is hard. Uh, Getting up over and over and over again is hard it's a discipline, it's a training. And people who can learn to do that, and you'll hear that in a lot of business success stories, right? It's not. It's usually not like the first thing they try that's a big success. They're getting up over and over again, door after door, whether it's J.K. Rowling or you know the person who made Formula 409. They've been rejected so many times, but what is it about them that they're able to get up and keep on going? It's because they're good at falling. They're, they're mastering the art of falling. So what I'd love for you to do today is ask yourself, what is your get up default behavior, right? When you feel yourself falling, do you stiffen up or do you say, okay, I'm going to fall. Let's deal with it and let's go on to the next thing. And just as importantly, what's your default after you, you know, fall down behavior, right? Do you continue and try again or do you say, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to think about this for a while and then give the opportunity for that fear and hesitation to work against you and make you less likely to continue and do the thing that will help you move on to success. Um, one last PS I would love to uh, leave for you before um, I sign off is it's not admirable and it's not always a good idea to continue to fail and to keep doing something that you're failing at, right? So I don't mean to glorify masochism and failing and continuing 
to fail. And to me, sort of, there's a, there's a wisdom, there's a judgment in, do you really believe that this is the best use of your time and that you could get success? Or are you doing something out of stubbornness? Um, you're not really going to be able to do this and your time might actually be better spent shifting into something else that you'll be more productive. Now, I can't tell you when that is. There's personal and professional judgment to be there. I just want to leave that little caveat, not trying to glorify uh, continuing to do something that, that is not going to work for you, but at the same time, you don't always know when that success is going to come. So it's a, it's a bit tricky, but like most things in life that are that are valuable and considered wisdom, they are going to be tricky. So um, just wanted to give you that balanced view about it. My name is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor, and thanks for listening to Executive Presence Morsels. Remember, it's not what you say, do, or wear. It's how you make people feel that generates executive presence. Nothing else matters. If you like, please stay tuned for a preview of tomorrow's episode, brought to you by our sponsors. I often get asked, why did you create the Thrive Guide for High Potential Underrepresented Professionals? It all started out with one unanswered question. How do you thrive in environments where your advancement is still considered an anomaly? I know far too many talented, ambitious, and devoted professionals whose efforts to climb the corporate ladder were met with resistance, broken promises, and sometimes outright sabotage. As I looked for guidance to meet this challenge, there wasn't much out there other than the generic you have to be better and work harder than everyone else. While I see some wisdom in this, it ignores the damage that this double standard wreaks on your mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. It also doesn't provide any specific strategies on how to handle the daily challenges, such as microaggressions, that create extra drag on your performance. I began to explore this for myself when a few pages of notes turned into 33 lessons, 2.5 hours, and a lot of video editing. The final result was the Thrive Guide with its seven strategies to thrive. Each strategy is designed to address challenges that are rooted in societal, institutional, and personal expectations for groups that have not been, and largely still are not, prevalent in leadership positions. If you refuse to have artificial limits placed on your advancement, but continue to be met with resistance, then this Thrive Guide is for you. Available now on Udemy.com. Let's get thriving. Hello, welcome to Executive Presence Morsels. It's Ukemi Week. This is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor. Ukemi uh, can be loosely translated into the art of falling. So think about when someone gets thrown, uh, you know, in martial arts or in a movie, you get thrown to the ground. Like, how do you fall uh, in a way that you take the least damage? And today we're going to talk about the importance of staying relaxed, right? So this is while you're being thrown or when a technique is being applied against you and drawing some sort of analogies as to why that's important or can be helpful in your professional career and with your executive presence. 
So I um, want to share with you a particular technique. You don't really need to know how it works, but um, just for purposes of the metaphor, I want to share with you the technique. It's called Nikkyo. Ni uh, is like the number two in Japanese. So Nikkyo means like second technique. And all you need to know about it is it is like one of the most... Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you again. Join us next time for another tasty Executive Presence Morsel.